Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! All right, all right. Welcome back to Nebraska Hawks Nest. We are joined by one of the guys in the history of the Iowa program that really embody what Nebraska Hawks Nest is all about. Former Iowa Hawkeye linebacker, Cole Fisher. How's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty darn good. Um, see that jersey back there behind you? That's pretty legit. That's Is that your Rose Bowl jersey you got? Yeah, yeah. The, the senior year, they, they, they give you – I mean, I guess you get a jersey every year. But yeah. they make it a little more special and frame it up for you. Wow, that's beautiful, man. I was uh, lucky enough to be at that game. So it was a, a wonderful season. Didn't really end the way we wanted it to. But uh, it was uh, still pretty awesome to have gone to Pasadena and to be able to have um, have been at the Rose Bowl. But we need to start from the beginning. I get I get ahead of myself sometimes. Um, <laughs> want to ask you about your recruiting process coming out of high school. Uh, you are, for uh, people that don't know a Nebraska legacy, you had a brother that played at Nebraska and your dad played at Nebraska during some of their prime years. Um, tell tell everyone out there what it was like for you to go through your recruiting process, uh, what schools you were considering, and uh, did Nebraska give you much attention at all? Sure, sure. So <clears throat> growing up in Nebraska, um, especially with dad playing there, brother playing there, um, I was big into football in high school. Honestly, just always thought I was going to follow suit with everyone else. Um, didn't end up happening that way, obviously. But um, pretty much so the, the main thing that happened was my junior year, I actually tore my ACL uh, in basketball. And the first thing that Coach Ferentz did um, when that happened was he called, I guess I'd already had uh, an offer from Iowa this time. They were, they were the first one to give me one. First thing he did was call me up and say, hey, this changes nothing. We still want you to come to Iowa. Just let you know, like, that offer's on the table. And that played a huge role in the recruiting process just because every other school that I was talking to said, you know, hey, we want to see how you come back from your injury, how your senior season goes, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about offers and opportunities um, after all that. And, and Nebraska was one of them. And, you know, I'd, I might have had some resentment at first, but it – being out of the situation now, it, it makes plenty of sense. I remember going to one of the recruiting trips there and this was post-surgery and I was like 160 pounds and they were probably looking at me like, what are, what are we supposed to do with you? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, pretty much them, I, I guess the main schools that I was looking at was Nebraska, Iowa. I uh, did have an offer from Kansas. Um, I was talking to Stanford as well. And then, uh, those, those are actually probably the main the main four. And then, did you did you ever go on a visit to Stanford? I did, yeah. Okay, because you're a very academically driven individual. For those mm-hmm. of you that don't know um, an in depth story about Cole, um, I believe you were multiple time academic All Big Ten and just a very serious student. And I believe you have your master's degree already as well. Um, what was it like going to uh, visit like a school like Stanford? Uh, you know, beautiful campus in Northern yeah. California. I mean, that, that'd be a tough place to say no to. That was going to be the first words out of my mouth was that it was very hard to, to not go that route. Um, the main reason I did now is because I'm, I'm very family oriented and just being so far away from family would have been 
uh, very hard for me. Um, but yeah, it was that was tough to say. I mean, they were like number two engineering school in the nation behind like MIT. I think when I was being recruited, and it's just one of those deals that coming out of there with a degree like that, you really don't have to worry about finding a job. And yeah, and I mean, they were they were having lots of success too. That was that was uh, Harbaugh was there. Um, they just had come off uh, one of their more successful seasons. Um, yeah, they. they they were running on a real hot streak at that time. How? What type of recruiter was Harbaugh? Did you have many conversations with him? Um, I had, yeah, I had a couple. Um, it, it was more of like a talk between. I mean, there's there a there's a group of, group of us there, so it wasn't really like a one on one talk. It was more just your typical recruiting talk to all the kids that are that are there for the weekend. Okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, with your your recruiting process at Nebraska, too, um, it's a pretty polarizing figure with Bo Pelini. Uh, you know, guys either love him or hate him. And what, what was it like uh, with your communications with him and uh, the recruitment from Nebraska? Um, I mean, it was always really positive. He was he's he's a very no bullshit kind of guy. Um, and I guess just the way I was raised that yeah. that coincides well with me um I, I i'd much rather just have someone tell me how it is than kind of dance around and and try to give you what they think you want to hear um so i always appreciated that from him and that that did help out with the process because you know he, he said you know right now you you're you you just came off the surgery <laughs> you're 160 pounds i don't really know where you fit in right now we have to see what happens here with with your senior season and all um, and that was, I think that's honestly a lot of the, if you ask a lot of the players, um, my brother would say the same thing is that a lot of the players love the guy. Um, he was a, he was a real coaches or players coach. Um, not so much maybe media <laughs> as, as we later saw, but, um, I think the general consensus was the, the players all loved him. Yeah, he was a, a super interesting guy. And like you said, you were very family oriented and still are. Uh, what I got a little like a two part question here. Okay. Um, when you were getting ready to go and, you know, the family probably obviously knew you were leaning towards uh, signing with Iowa. What was the feedback from your dad and from your brother about signing with Iowa? And then on after that, tell us a little bit about what it's like to be around your family that Black Friday after Thanksgiving when Iowa and Nebraska play each other and you guys are all together. What who are people rooting for and does it get kind of ugly sometimes? Sure, sure. Okay, so part one, um, my dad actually uh it was from his guidance that I had, uh, eventually pulled the trigger on Iowa. Um going into my senior season, it was the summer before, and he just kind of sat me down and said, Hey, is if, if anyone else offered you right now on the spot, would you would you pick them over Iowa and did a little, little thinking, a little soul searching and came up with the answer was no. And I said, okay, well, why don't you just pull the trigger now? That way you don't have to worry about all the stress and whatnot or, or performing to a certain degree to, to please all these recruiters and whatnot throughout the season and just get it over with now. So he, he was, he was always in the mindset, you know, he was super supportive was not trying to push me, in any direction that he want, he just wanted me to make my own decision. That's, you know, all, what all great parents do. I mean, you really, they really think about their kid first and not necessarily their legacy and, you know, what they've accomplished. And um, that's super evident in your life. Um, wanted to ask you too about um, that 2014 season Um a lot of really close losses, um, losses that were not necessarily characteristic of Iowa football, a frustrating year. Um, mm -hmm. Walk us through a little bit about um, how that season went. That was the last time I believe that we have lost in Nebraska. And then um, that that feeling after uh, the tax layer bowl, uh, kind of getting it handed to us by uh, Tennessee volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten that. That was a tough loss to Nebraska too, because like we we just were in control of that game the whole entire time, and just did a complete one eighty uh, like midway through the third quarter. Um, and even still, like the majority of that fourth quarter, we're like, okay, things are a little out of control. We're fine though. Like we we still got this, and they just ended up pulling off a, a 
huge comeback and that one's overtime too, right? Yeah, I did. Overtime? Yeah. That was a bummer. Especially because we, we, we had a couple what run of games already and 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 obviously since we've torn off a ton of wins. I mean, what is it like six in a row now or something like yeah, that? Yeah, six in a row. Um so that I mean yeah, twenty fourteen. I wasn't obviously I wasn't playing defense at that point. I was still more of just a special teams guy. Um but just the standpoint from the team was we we were so close to having a very, very good year um, with so many close losses, and it just didn't pan out. And that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Like when that's how Iowa football is sometimes, and that's we you you just have to be so so precise, I guess, but just with everything. You know, yeah. we're not known for our crazy recruits, and if you make little mistakes, you know, we know they're going to cost you. And, and that season, we just made too many. Um, in that tax slayer bowl, um, you, I know you don't remember this, but um, on the plane ride home, I was actually sitting in the row over next to you. Oh, and okay. I was talking to you on the plane. And uh, yeah. I was, that was one game that we really felt good about going into as fans. We thought we had a really good shot against them. And when I, when I talked to you on the plane, uh, your thoughts were, yeah, we prepared well for that uh, for this game. We did not expect it to go like it did. Uh, walk us through a little bit about that game and maybe what you felt like went wrong in that tax layer bowl. Isn't that a that's a great question? Like even coming off of that, everyone, yeah, like we we were just left spinning, and we're just like, I mean, it's got, honestly very similar to that um, Stanford game my senior year. Just you just. It's one of those games you, you you thought you had the right game plan going in. Um, you'd watched all the film, you'd done all the preparation, and and then just everything goes wrong. I guess. I, I mean, whether it's just a, a missed block or, or or a big play here and there. I mean, obviously they had more than just a big play here and there, but it's it just one of those things. Sometimes it happens in sports where everything can just go wrong on a given day. Yeah, well, good thing for us as fans. The Tennessee fans were actually pretty cool. They had stunk mm-hmm. for quite a while before that. And as soon as that, it was like after that season ended, like the trajectory of both teams went in opposite directions. Iowa shot straight up and Tennessee just dropped off. And um, again, you know, I'm going to continually kind of touch on this with, um, you know, your whole entire uh, statement that you made about you being very family oriented. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was very cool. Um, I got... Um, flew into the Omaha airport as did you and um, saw that your parents were there and just the way that your parents embraced you and that close family connection that, that I saw, I thought that was very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, my the Fisher family in, in Omaha is, is, is very, very close knit. And uh, my parents have always been there just for me the whole entire way. Um, no matter what endeavor, and I'm sure they'll continue to do so. I wish I was a little closer these days, but just not how it is. Um, but yeah, where are you where are you where are you living right now? I'm up in uh, Twin Cities, Minneapolis area. Okay, what brought you up there? Work. Um, I, I got done uh, with my master's uh, grad school a year. Yeah, it was a year after, um, and then got an interview with a company called Erickson Road Associates up here. Okay, and. The transition actually was pretty, I mean, I, I say, I wish it could be closer. I, I actually, I live up here. There's with, with family, um, the sister of my dad and her family, they live up here. So it honestly was a, a pretty easy transition. Yeah. And you're not that far away from Omaha either. I mean, it's not that far of a drive and Minneapolis is a pretty cool city. I, I'm sure it sucks in the winter, but you know, other than that, it's, it's a pretty fun place to fun place to be. They do a really good job of, of taking advantage of the weather up here. I mean, even in the winter, people people are super super active in the winter as well. Uh, tell us about when you're during your time at Iowa. Uh, you know, you were very academically motivated the whole time you were there and had big aspirations to uh, do a lot of things more so than the typical football player probably did. Um, tell us about how the coaching staff supported you and helped you on that academic journey. So they. They were they were very understanding, um, for the most part. Um, they they because I, I had a lot more class conflicts than than most of the guys on the team. Um, there were afternoon classes that at some points I just 
I, I couldn't reschedule them. That was the only time that I could take the class. And they, they did do a very good job of, like, okay, well, Cole, Cole has to go to this. He'll come in afterwards. Usually it was just the meetings. Um, I'd be able to get there for practice, but I'd, I might have to miss the, the meetings prior or day beforehand. And, I mean, that, that makes it tough then when you're, you're playing catch-up all practice long. Um, but they were they very understanding, very fair. Um, I don't know if, if you've heard the story, but I, I did have a sit-down and had, like, the talk from the coaches following my junior year. Uh, to where they basically said, hey, we're going to need some more performance out of you, or we're going to look into pushing to get you graduated and give your scholarship to someone else. Um, so lot of, yeah, so a lot of my career was kind of spent trying to break this stigma that I cared more about academics than, than football, um, which was some of the feedback that I had received from the coaches at, at points. And it's uh, it was frustrating at times just because um, you're balancing these two very demanding parts of your life, and there's only so much time in the day. And sadly, with those two things, it was it was to the point where you had to choose. One of them was going to suffer, and for a long time, I was choosing school. And then, lucky enough, my my senior year, I got to the point where I didn't have to worry about school nearly as much. I um, was able to just solely focus on football, basically. Well, I mean, I, that's a great problem, I think, for coaches to have. You know, if you, your player is focusing a little too much on academics and he's not out drinking and partying and doing the things that he's not supposed to be doing, I, you know, I think that's a that's probably a good problem to have. And plus, you know, at some point in your career, you start to see the writing on the wall and you're like, okay, well, I don't know how possible it's going to be for me to play in the NFL. I need to really focus on my career after football and what I'm going to be doing and you know, it's not that you didn't care about football. You clearly did. You're a division one football player, in my opinion, for the greatest football program in the country. Um, so you definitely, you know, had your priorities straight. So that's, that's pretty, you know, admirable and, and pretty respectable, but they must have thought quite a bit of you. Um, you want, you were a recipient of the coaches appreciation award and the finish strong award, uh, which, you know, sound like very integrity-driven, hardworking awards. Uh, tell everybody out there what those awards mean and what that meant to you to receive those. So I think the Finish Strong Award, I think they – that was actually the first year they came out with that. I think I think they might have come out with it specifically for me just because I had such a crazy turnaround from my junior year to my senior year. Um, and then the coach's appreciation where I think I remember what they had said the, at the, uh, the final ceremony, I think they eventually sat down, like look back at the number of plays uh, that I'd put in over the course of the year. Cause I, I was playing defense and then for most of the year, all four special teams as well, just cause that's, that's what I've been doing for the past three years. And I think they might've sat down and saw the number of plays and like, Oh, <laughs> cause it, it was like, it was like a stupid number more than, than anyone else on the team. Um, so I think they're like, okay, well, coach's appreciation. Thanks for, thanks for being like the, the, the guy that maybe not everyone really knows very well, but like just silently putting in the work. The workhorse of the team is what that is. Dark workhorse. <laughs> talk, talk to us a little bit about the, the pipeline of great Nebraska players that have come into the University of Iowa program. You got guys like Drew Ott, Nathan Budgeta, you know, yourself, Noah Fant. There's just a ton of them. You go way back to like Larry Station. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had a lot of good luck with guys from Nebraska. Um, and, you know, we hold you um, in on that list of, you know, great guys that we were able to get from Nebraska. What, in your opinion, is the reason why – Nebraska has overlooked so much in-state talent and Iowa's been able to just sweep in there and pick up so many of these good players. Um, I mean, I think I, I think it comes down to Iowa knows what they want in that they're, they're looking for those types of players that maybe come up with a slight chip on their shoulder. Um, I guess people always talk about kind of like the diamonds in the rough where the overlooked guys that they, they just, they see the development um, that gosh, I'm not trying to put this. <clears throat> the potential, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. They see the potential these that these players have um, that that other coaches overlook throughout, and 
And then Iowa just, they've always done the best at developing players into what they want them to be. And I don't, I don't know, I'm not, not to take shots away from, from Nebraska or anything uh, in their development program, but I think it's more just Iowa very much knows what they want in their players. You're more than welcome to take shots at Nebraska on this. So <laughs> we're not going to be upset with you about that. Yeah, a lot of, lot of family. Yeah, it's okay. You guys got to talk some smack. You never really talked about like on Black Friday. I think we kind of skipped over that. When you guys were watching oh, yeah. the games together, what's that atmosphere like? You guys ever bet on the games? Is there some smack talking? How serious does that get? Uh, I'm like the only one truly cheering for Iowa, probably. <laughs> everyone else. I mean, like they, when I was playing, you know, everyone had like the uh, like the half Nebraska, half Iowa shirts and, and cheered for both and were happy either way. Um, but now that I'm out and, and done, they, they definitely still refer to back to full-time Nebraska fans. So it's, uh, it's been fun these last six years where I'm the one still cheering at the end of the game. I hope we can keep that going. It's been a, it's been a really fun streak. And, um, you know, I thought, and I was way off, but I thought when Frost got in there, I thought it was going to be a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, based upon you know what he had done in the past on his own, but I think there was a little bit more work that was needed to be done than we all uh, kind of anticipated. But at the end of the day, like I always say, I don't want Nebraska to be terrible. There are right now arguably our biggest rival that we you know love to play that last you know game of the year, and if they're not good, that game's just not as much fun. Uh, tell us about what it meant to you. Um, in that 2015 season, being a Nebraska kid, the emotions of playing in that game and carrying that trophy off the field. So funny story about it was that at the end of the game, um, I think I was one of the last guys down to the trophy just because I was just sitting there at midfield uh, taking the moment in because you know, I'd grown up in this football state, I had imagined my career going a different route, and then we just taking a moment to reminisce. I'm like, life doesn't always go the way you you think it's going to, and that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. And to finish that way, and it was it was like a it was it was kind of a it was a very satisfying like stick it to the Nebraska program, I guess, just because. I felt that maybe they had overlooked me with injuries during recruiting and to put in all that hard work and then finally get my chance senior year. And on top of that, have the season season that we had and to finish off at Nebraska. And I actually had my one and only interception in that game too. So I remember that I was yeah. going to ask you about that. How did that feel when you pulled that pick down? And I, I remember you hearing like, I just didn't want to drop it or fumble it. Like I just wanted to make sure I secured that. How, mm -hmm. Dang good did that feel getting that pick at Nebraska? Well, I, so I had dropped one the week earlier too in the end Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. Or I'm sorry, it just it was a head shaker. But um, yeah, it happened. Reaction when I and, and honestly, it was it was it was a gift I think from from Armstrong because it wasn't anywhere near the receiver, and I'm running out the field. I look up. Just, Okay, I'll, I will take that. Um, but definitely at first reaction, okay, don't screw this up now. And I think if you go back and watch the replay too, you will see like the most unathletic spin move from anyone in the history of football too that I try to pull off. <laughs> That's like a typical Iowa guy spin move. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, you, I remember that and I'm like, okay, that's like a typical like Iowa Midwestern kid, like on the plays on defense spin move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you do a little extra celebrating? Cause you, there was uh, a handful of you guys in that locker room that were from Nebraska that were able to celebrate that victory. Did you guys um, ever have any conversations or talk about that game beforehand or, or have any conversations or celebrations after the victory? Uh, I don't think anything really special. Um, I mean, it was it was still chaos in the locker room just because we had finished off an undefeated regular season. Um, but nothing really, I guess nothing really special. It was definitely just everyone, the entire team celebrating together. 
Um, tell me a little bit about what you guys, uh, what your mood felt like um, going into that Rose Bowl against um, Stanford. Now, we had a very heartbreaking loss in the Big Ten championship game. I think probably the longest drive in the history of football. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I was there for that game, and it about killed me. Um, so I'm sure it was a hundred times worse for you guys being actually in the game. Uh, coming off that, tell us about what your guys' preparation going into the Rose Bowl was like for Christian McCaffrey, because that guy is like not human. Uh, <laughs> watching him play, it's just insane what he can do on the football field. Tell us about what your preparation was like going into that game. Uh, and then what it was actually like once you guys saw him on the field. Yeah. So we, we honestly felt really good about that matchup heading into it. We thought we lined up well against them. Um, we thought they, I mean, they, they played a lot of power. O, which is what we had seen all year long. Um, I don't know if they, if we really saw them running it any better than anyone else we had seen. And, but obviously, yeah, we, we, we knew he was dangerous. You know, it was very clear just because I mean, well, he put up stupid, stupid numbers in terms of overall yardage. Um, and, and in my opinion, I think he got uh, skunked in the, the Heisman. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Holder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's still making a lot of people look really, really stupid today. That um that award to me doesn't have a whole lot of credibility because it doesn't ever seem to not always sometimes it does but it doesn't typically go to the best player in the country which is what it's intended for. Um, I really lost respect for it. Ironically, back when Andamikan Sue did not win the award, he was above and far beyond when he was playing in college. He was the best player in the country, and he finished third. And I'm like, right. okay, at, at this point, if they don't come out with an offensive and a defensive Heisman, I have no credibility for this award ever going uh, going past that. And then when Christian McCaffrey didn't get it, you know, they talk about an East Coast bias or an SEC bias. You know, as strong as that bias may be, there's um, as strong as a uh, push against uh, the the Pac-12 just because they, they're not being able, watched as much because they play so much later. And I think, you know, that's probably what ended up hurting Christian. But the guy's making millions of dollars right now, and he he shredded us up in the in the Rose Bowl. So I don't really feel too bad for him right now. But what, what was that? What was that conversation like in the locker room? Um, when he came out, it was like the first play of the game and caught a pass up the middle and just broke loose. Um, Desmond King wasn't able to catch him and he just outran everybody. What was the conversations in the locker room at halftime and what type of adjustments did you guys plan on making? At halftime, it was somber at best. I mean, it was honestly, it was to the point where it was like, Hey guys, this is the point where you're playing for pride. Um, I, I don't I don't honestly recall the score at the halftime, but I think it was – the game was, was pretty much over unless we had some sort of miracle. So it really was the point where, like, you guys can pack this up or you can – this is your last game of your career. You can go out and fighting. And it, it sucks that that happened to be the way it went. But um, I like to think that a lot of seniors still at least strapped it up, went out and gave their best for – the second half as well. What was it like being able to go to Pasadena, the, all the Rose bowl celebration, the festivities, you know, they, they don't call it the granddaddy of them all for, for nothing. Uh, I was able to, I completely lucked out. I had a friend of mine that won. Um, we won a, a, a contest at the big 10 uh, championship game. We entered um, and we're like, oh, this is just a phishing scheme to get emails. You take a picture at this BMW booth and um, you sign up uh, and give them your information to win a free trip to the Rose Bowl. We didn't even know we were going to the Rose Bowl at that point. And my friend gets a call like two weeks later and he thought it was you know, a complete bullshit call. Didn't think it was real. And we had won like four, a four-night stay in a five-star, one of the nicest hotels, like a $1,300 a night hotel. Jeez. Yeah, it was insane. Like I've never, I never have, and I never will stay in a hotel that nice again. Um, Brett Musburger, the guy that called the game, that was pretty much like, you know, licking the toes of Christian McCaffrey the whole entire game. We ran into him before and after, and had a drink with him after the game. That guy got pretty sauced up and told some told some really good <laughs> stories at the at the hotel bar. He was a lot of fun. His agent was like, "You keep buying him drinks, he'll keep telling stories," and I'm like. 
you got it, man. This is like priceless. So he was, yeah, he was, he was a good time, but um, yeah, we won that, the, that hotel, we got free tickets to the game and then we won um, passes into this like luxury tailgate where like, it's like Mark Brunel uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars was like kind of hosting it. And there's like ice sculptures all over the place. We're like, okay, this, this tailgate party is way too classy for us. We did not belong there at all. We're like standing there taking shots in our Iowa jerseys and hats and like, you know, like doing like, you know, IOWA chants. And there's people <laughs> like in dress slacks and button up shirts. We're like, yeah, we, maybe we should get like, let's eat and then get the hell out of here. Cause we do not belong here. But from, from your perspective, which I, I assume is way more interesting than mine. Uh, what was it like as a player to go through uh, the Rose bowl festivities, the pregame stuff and everything that came along with it? I, I mean, so the, the facilities honestly that we were given were, were probably, probably the best that I had seen um, in all the bowl games. Normally what you get hooked up with like a, a high school somewhere in the area. Yeah, I think and, so. Yeah, and and this time it, it was the the stable. Uh, stable. I'm sorry. The uh, what's the? I should know this. Is it a football stadium? No, no. It's like the the tennis stadium over there. Um, I, I don't know. I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Um, but it's uh, it was it was where their soccer team plays too. The, okay, the LA Galaxy. Uh, yeah, I think so. It was it was on their practice practice facilities. Um, okay, so definitely way nicer than your local high school field. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what all the activities they had good. What they had is the all the Lowry's, the Lowry's dinner, um, Lowry's prime rib. Definitely one of the better steaks I've had in my lifetime as well. <laughs> That's surprising in California to get you know you're you being a Midwestern guy. And, from Nebraska, the beef state, and then going to college in Iowa, which is also a strong beef state, to, to get mm-hmm. that good of a steak in California. What, what was your favorite? What was your favorite part about playing in that Rose Bowl? And um, do you still got that? I remember seeing pictures of that sweet ring you guys got for that twelve and zero season, and to commemorate being in the Rose Bowl. You you still got that ring? Yeah, yeah, it's around here somewhere. Um, I should have warned you and asked you to bust it out for the interview. I. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's honestly, it's sitting in the, the guest room probably somewhere, but um, favorite, favorite memory from that. Um, I don't know if I have like a specific memory. It's more just the collection of the, of the entire trip, um, especially in my case where, where it was so much hard work put into this entire career and, and have it all come into this, uh, finally come through in this final season. And it's just culmination of, of going to the, the granddaddy mall in the bowl games and, so it's just really just the the full circle portion of it for me. Um, speaking of full circle, tell me uh, about the cult, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for the um, the change in culture from when you first got to the program where we weren't quite in as strong of a spot as we were when you left. You definitely left the jersey in a better place, like they you know the motto always says uh, at mm-hmm. Iowa. Tell us about the changing culture in the locker room and everything else that you might have seen change over those years because it definitely seemed like a different program, different players. And we just had a different feel about us. Yeah. I think that whole entire season, I feel like is, is kind of a testament to what can happen when you get that, that right group of guys together. Um, you know, like we didn't, like I said earlier, I was not known for their big recruits and um, that whole season was really just a bunch of guys that had put in a, a ton of work and we're not going to let, that season go to waste. Um, I mean, we did, we did have a very fortunate schedule and we were looking at that and thinking this is, we got a, we got a shot to do something special with this season. And um, like you said, full circle, a lot of guys, it's just, it's just, that's the way to put it, I guess. It's just, it's, it's kind of funny because with that whole season, you know, normally you have everyone, they want to root for an underdog. And that's what we were seeing a lot of the, a lot of the time. Um, and it just didn't seem like it was that towards the end of the season, um, especially like going into that Michigan State game and, and, and the Stanford game. But I don't know. I'm probably digressing a little bit. But like I said, the whole, whole season was really just a testament to what can happen when you get the right group of guys together. 
Well, that group of guys had some pretty interesting characters. Um, you know, you got a, like a Nate Meyer on that, you know, on that squad. You got Drew Watt and you know, some super interesting guys. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the really interesting guys have Nebraska ties. Uh, what, tell us about some fun stories, anything goofy that ever happened in the locker room or on the practice field that um, you looked and you're like, holy crap, that's ridiculous. Something that maybe, you know, the average Joe fan wouldn't know about that you still think back to today and, and, it, and it puts a smile on your face. Um. All right, so what year was this? Was this sophomore year? Um, so probably probably my favorite Kirk Farron story. Uh, we were well, – this was for the Nebraska game too, so this, this works out well. We were uh, doing the preparation for Nebraska. Uh, I don't remember what year it was specifically. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't really the greatest practice going on. We were, we were making mistakes left and right uh, on both sides of the ball. And so at one point he kind of shuts down practice and is just, it's just going off on everyone and just a long typical KF rant. Um, but the, the best part about it was he's in, he's in, ends this like two minute long rant. Um, he's all fired up. He, he actually has his, uh, his Iowa um, like Santa hat on <laughs> and he, and he finishes with like, like, oh, because it's the, the Black Friday or the Thanksgiving. Maybe it wasn't the Santa hat. But anyways, he, he finishes this super long rant with basically going, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Fuck you. <laughs> and, and every single guy on that field at that point was like <laughs> holding back uh, so much laughter. Uh, <laughs> That's great. You know, as a fan, you, you know that that kind of stuff happens, you know, for a football, you know, the culture of a football locker room. And, you know, Kirk is one of the most respected coaches in the nation, and he keeps it pretty tucked close to the vest during, during his press conferences. But, you know, the guy gets pissed off and has got to unload on the players sometimes. Every great coach does. Uh, what was your relationship like with uh, Coach Ferentz and Coach Parker when you were at Iowa? I felt I always had a very, a very good relationship with both of them. Um, both of them are very, how I was talking about earlier. Um, they, they're, they're very straight, straight shooting guys and they'll, they'll tell you how it is. Um, and like I said, I always, I always appreciate that, especially coach Parker. He had no problem telling, telling you exactly how it is. And, uh, that always went a long ways in that if you know what they want, you know, what they're trying to get out of you, then that works out well for everyone. Um, I thought they were both very fair. You know, I, there, there were times when I would be frustrated, but at the end of the day, I knew that uh, the positions that I was in was based off my performance and that they were being fair in, in uh, the opportunities that they were giving me. Um, after doing some research and, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong here, cause you're the guy that lived it. So, you know, better than anybody, yeah. um, did, did, I, I heard there was a point somewhere along the line where you considered transferring, you weren't really getting the playing time and the opportunities that you were hoping for. And that you, um, you had a kind of a heart to heart conversation with your dad about, uh, staying a Hawkeye. Can you, uh, tell us about that conversation with your dad and what your thought process is about potentially considering transferring? Um, I don't know if I honestly, I'm curious where you heard that one from because I, I honestly don't think I ever, um, was seriously thinking about transferring. I mean, you might be frustrated and be thinking about it in the, in the, heat of a moment kind of a deal but um i was always under the the mindset of i i came here to get a degree and play football i'm gonna finish my career here at iowa um whether that was playing another year special teams or not um thankfully it it didn't turn out that way um but I, i i wouldn't say i would ever was was seriously considering transferring anywhere honestly yeah, I mean, you get hearsay and stuff like that. So that obviously could have been something that was just, you know, generated up by fans or, you know, Hus- Husker apologists trying to uh, stir the pot a little bit on that end. So um, going through uh, your career at Iowa and, you know, you really talked about when you came out of high school, uh, being skinny, slender, not weighing a whole lot. Tell us about what the the strength and conditioning program did for you and how that helped you develop your body to be able to be an effective Big Ten football player. 
Sure. Um, yeah, I see it, 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 uh, it happened quick for me initially. So when I, I came in at about like 205, um, that was after putting on like 20 pounds, uh, after my senior season in, in high school. And so they, they had me start out at safety, um, that first camp, but then it was like two weeks into the camp, um, hopping on the scale and I've gained like another 12 pounds and was 217. And already wasn't the fastest guy, so I think Coach Parker kind of was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna move you down a little closer to the line here because you're not you're not keeping up with with these receivers here on the back end so well anymore." Um, so I and I don't know if that was a testament to this recognition yet, just because it was it was just camp and maybe I was just overeating a little bit, but um, definitely definitely was the strongest and and, and best shape I've been in due to that strength and conditioning program. They do, they, they know exactly what they want to get out of guys. They do a very, very good job um, pushing the limits and then also showing you how to recover uh, properly. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I might have a couple of records, honestly, still there from like my sophomore year. Um, how are those shakes? Cause I've heard a lot about those shakes you guys had to drink to put on weight. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I'm sure other programs do that. You know, I'm not as plugged into other programs. So I'm not, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, I hear a lot of guys talk about having to drink these shakes all the time. I was a shake guy for a long time, long, long time. Um, Were they good? Uh, that's a stretch. <laughs> um, I think most of it, so the ingredients were like, there's a whole bunch of protein powder first off. And then there's a bunch of carbs they put in. Uh, like an applesauce, um, what else? A bunch of greens, peanut butter. I mean, it was it was a meal and a half uh, in a shake, and and it, yeah, it was. If you didn't if you didn't make your weight, if you weren't within two pounds of your weight every week, put on the shake list until you made weight again. Um, I did struggle putting on pounds after like two twenty and above, so I was I was a shake guy for many many years. <laughs> You hear tons of stories of like in the weight room and conditioning uh, with Coach Parker about, you know, somebody wears the wrong shirt, they get kicked out. Somebody's, you know, wears a hat, you know, they get they get kicked out. Somebody spits in the wrong direction. You know, Tyler Kluver's like, I spit like and it happened to be within 30 feet of him. And he's like, get the hell out of here. You're done. Like, <laughs> tell us about like any odd situation you remember where like a guy got kicked out of practice and you're like, what in the hell just happened? Because it sounds like it happened quite a bit. Sometimes it was it was you might have just caught Doyle on a bad day. Um because it, 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 it might sometimes just be for the simplest things. Like we would be going through um, some footwork drill uh, on the ladders, like Yiggy Shuffle and, and whatnot, and you might have one guy that just for some reason early in the morning can't get it going, can't get through the ladder. And at one point, if you had like two or three misses in a row, it was just like, all right, like you're gone, get out. Was there any like hangover from that? Like when you came back the the next day, were you gone for the whole day after you get kicked out? And then you come back the next day. Is he ever, you know, at the type where he's like, he's still pissed. Like you need to earn your way back into good graces. Or is it like the slates wiped clean and he's ready to move on? I think he, he usually was very much the slate is, is wiped clean. Like, all right, new day, new opportunity. Just don't, don't fuck it up like yesterday. <laughs> And tell us a little bit too about, you know, maybe some of your relationships with guys on the team there. Um, you know, you, you band together with those guys and they end up being like brothers to you. Um, any, any specific guys that you got very close with while you were uh, there at Iowa and, and guys that you still keep in contact with today? Sure. Sure. Um, I keep in contact with a lot of those guys. Uh, mainly, I mean, social media helps out a ton these days. Um, you can kind of see what everyone's doing uh, with their lives after football and all that. And, uh, but the main ones, so, so Nate Meyer um, grew up not, not far from, from Omaha. And then funny story about, we actually played uh TV football together. Okay. When we were a kid, well, not on the same team, like against each other at one point. And we, we didn't make this connection until we started talking like his freshman year, and my sophomore year. Um, but he, he was my roommate for, uh, like three or four years and still very good friends with them. Uh, don't get to see him as much these days, obviously, but we, we definitely still keep in touch. Nice. 
Um, I'm going to ask you about this, and I don't know a ton about it, but there's a story that goes around about during one point during your time there that we had lost three to four, almost all of our rivalry trophies, and somebody broke the trophy case and shattered it. Do you remember anything about that? Uh I've honestly never heard that story before. <laughs> okay, there's a story that's going around that went around that uh, somebody wrote about that um, after we had lost, um, I believe it might have been the Nebraska game. Somebody uh, punched the glass, the trophy, or one of the trophy cases, and smashed it because yeah. they were they were pissed off about not having any of those. So again, could be just hearsay, could or it could have happened, and you know, there's that many guys on the team, and you just you know didn't get passed on to you. Sure. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm, Sorry to disappoint, but honestly, that was the first time I've heard that story. You got to make something up. Be like, yeah, it was me. (laughs) Like from that movie, The Program, you got pissed off. I walked in there and slammed your head into it, and glass just shattered all over the place and had blood running down your face. This will never happen again. See, that's the kind of story you need. You know, you just, you know, bust out. Then your teammates would be like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Seriously. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so right now, like living up in Minneapolis, um, you know, getting a little personal, you got a girlfriend up there with you, like anything like that? Or are you flying solo right now? Uh, fiance, actually. New, fiance. New, newly a fiance as of this uh, this past Christmas. Congratulations, man. Um, where did you guys meet? Uh, at Iowa uh, during grad school. So I was doing some bartending um, to make some money at night. Um, and yeah, she came into the bar on like a Wednesday. I think it was what it was. Okay. Um, and we got to talking. And so she she was actually friends with a lot of football players. And um, this was in like typical, seemed very typical for, for me because um, she had absolutely no idea who I was. Um, and I said, well, this, this makes sense. I feel like this is, I was the guy who kind of flew under the radar for a lot of it. But um, funny story about that too was, we were we were talking about some of the guys, and I had made comment about how one of the guys on the team was in the sharpest tool in the shed. And so then she had asked, "Well, what are you still doing here?" I was like, oh, "I'm finishing up school." And so she took that as I was still trying to finish up undergrad. Uh, later on through that conversation, um, someone brings up the, the word pretentious, and I'm sitting there and following the conversation. And she straight up looks at me and goes, "Do you know what that means?" Oh, <laughs> and now and now we're getting married. She misjudged you, man. She did not know. You're a super humble guy, though, because I feel like whenever anyone does recognize you're like, wait, what? You actually know who I am? When I when I saw you on the airplane, I'm like, what's up, Cole, man? That was a tough loss. And you're like, like, <laughs> crap, you know who I am, man? I'm like, yeah, I was at the game. I'm a diehard hawk. Like. I, I try to go to every bowl game. I don't make it every year, but um, you know that you're you're pretty shocked that I that I recognize you. But you're a super humble guy and very easy to talk to. And you know I appreciated being able to you know share our thoughts on the game. And you you didn't have to do that. So, but we're very glad to hear that you're doing doing well up in Minneapolis. And uh, just want to thank you for your time as a Hawkeye. You, you made a lot of really big plays uh, for us, and glad that you chose to come be a part of the black and gold and not go down to Kansas and be a Jayhawk or, you know, stick around and maybe walk on at Nebraska. Um, luckily we're happy. Um, I believe you were recruited by Reese Morgan. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. What's with that guy? He can catch diamonds in the rough like <laughs> no other. That guy has recruited and signed more, more talented guys that, no, like not a lot of other people were seeing and going after. What makes him so special? Oh, Reese was a great guy. I, the, by far the best, uh, best experience I had with with any sort of coach and recruiting. Um, just seemed like I don't know. He, he just seemed like he he knew all these or just like remember the details of conversations you had that that most people wouldn't pick up on and. And was always tossing out a text or something, just wondering how everything's going. And um, definitely a special guy. He, he uh, he's a, uh, what's he, he, did he retire? I think he did. He just retired like maybe uh, before last season, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, 
Reese was awesome guy. Um, obviously a great recruiter as well. Uh, he's pulled quite a few really, really good talent out of uh, the Omaha area over the past couple or over like the past couple of decades, I should say. That guy definitely should get a lot more credit than he does from the fan base for Iowa having the success that we've had for the guys that he's brought in and the talent that he's recognized that a lot of other people didn't. He, again, like you talked about, being able to see the full scope of what a kid can be, not mm-hmm. what he is. And, you know, that's what Iowa does. Um, he definitely embodies that. So hopefully he passed on all of his knowledge before he retired to uh, the rest of the staff because he has got to have – an insane amount of it for the job that he did. Um, also got to tell you too, man, I, I don't know if that's a new look for you, but digging the beard. Don't remember you ever having that in Iowa. But that's how new is that? Um, I think I grew it out during that senior year. Um, did you? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as clean. Uh, I mean, it was, it was like the typical football, like don't touch it for six months or yeah. whatever, but, but yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, Every man. These days, the fiance she she is not a fan. She doesn't like it. No, no, no. When I when I shave it randomly, like some there are times in the summer where uh, it just, it's just it's hot and itchy, and I'm not feeling it anymore. And and she just she doesn't like the baby face, I guess. Yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta keep mama happy. So that's <laughs> Always. that's that's how it goes. Well, hey, again, congratulations on on the engagement and. Um, you know, hope you guys, if you choose Minneapolis for your place to be, it's a pretty cool city. So hope yeah. you guys have a very uh, happy and healthy marriage and lots of little coal fishers running around, potential Hawkeyes in the future. And yeah. thanks thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, man, to sit down with the one social media group that embodies what coal <laughs> fishers all about. It's the Hawkeyes yeah. in Nebraska. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks again. Uh, what was that? I was just saying, not a problem at all. This has been great. Yeah, man. Well, we appreciate your time, and uh, you know, like I said, good luck in the future. And we always, we always end it with the with the Go Hawks. There we go. All right, Go Hawks. You guys say Go Hawks back. Come on. Oh, yeah, Go Hawks for sure. All right, Go Hawks. See you, man. <laughs> Have a good one.